Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoyed this message from Daniel Hayden. And uh, so I want to encourage you to have your Bibles ready. Before I do, uh, Chelsea, my wife, sends her love. We've been on a amazing holiday, actually. It's probably one of the best holidays we've ever had. Uh, we planned it pretty early on in 2018 because we knew that it was going to be a crazy year. And I was, as Ash said, I was traveling a lot, away a lot. And uh, so we, we had some really good extended time. We had a friend that uh, was in Ethiopia and in Europe on their own ministry. Uh, they were doing ministry in Ethiopia and then a holiday in uh, Europe. So their family was away from their house on the Sunshine Coast. So they said, hey, while we're away, why don't you come and stay here? And so uh, we were able to stay there. They didn't charge us anything, and they lent us the car. And so it was just a really blessed time from God. And we got to hang out on the beach, drink really good coffee, uh, a number of acai bowls, and some other food that maybe I shouldn't have eaten. Not much gym time, so the skinny jeans is trying to make up for the, uh, the extra weight that I put on. So I've got to get back in the gym this year. But that's all right. Amen. Glory to God. So who else had a good time over Christmas and over the New Year period? Many hands. That's good. Thanks to Alex and Jess uh, and all the team for doing a great job during that period. So great to be back. Oh, as I mentioned, uh, Chelsea sends a love and the kids. So Chelsea uh, had to go to Sydney uh, to do her final procedure, she had varicose veins, some issues with her veins uh, just through pregnancy, and uh, she's not pregnant now through previous pregnancies, and I hope, I hope, <laughs> yeah, actually, I wouldn't mind a few more little ones, but I think Chelsea's done now. Babies are awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and it all went really good, so it was the last procedure, but she had to go to Sydney for it, so she sends a love. She really wanted to be here this morning, but she's just resting uh, in Sydney right now. And uh, our kids are at grandma's, and so they're having a great time there. And, but we'll, we'll all be back again next week. Go grandmas. Yeah, so it's been really good. And we're prayed up, rested up, and we're ready to take it on this year, 2019. We're ready to headbutt the devil a little bit more and, and see the kingdom of God advance, destroy the works of the devil. For this, the Bible says, for this reason... The Son of God was made manifest that He might destroy the works of the devil. And how many people know that He does it through us now? He's not in His fleshly form anymore. He's now, uh, He's the head of the church and we're the body. And so He continues to destroy the works of the devil and He co-labors with us and through us. And I think that's a great privilege that we get to have as believers, as Christians, uh, to see the kingdom advance and to see people saved and so uh, Chelsea and I have been praying also probably in the last five months with our board. For those that don't know, we have a board. Uh, some of us might think some of the meetings are boring, but it's not all that boring. But we do discuss a lot of different things. And, uh, but the term board is more of a legal term uh, so that we, we need to fulfill the requirements as a not-for-profit uh, church according to the Australian government. So we have a an established uh, legal board, but we also tie that into the biblical terminology of elders. So we call it board of elders, and it's important, biblically speaking, that we have elders that help uh, govern uh, the church. If you didn't know already, we also have another three campuses in Victoria, 
And so this is the main mother church, if you like, or the main campus, but we have three other extension services as well that take place on Sunday. So it's a fairly big work that uh, uh, myself and Chelsea and the board oversee. And over the last five months, we've been praying about a few things and uh, we've really been seeking God a little more, in particular over the, our holiday period. We do it every year. We just take that time to really seek God about uh, the house, uh, personal things as well, um, personal goals. And uh, we really want to hear God on, on what He wants us to do and particularly around the local church as well. So I've got uh, an announcement this morning that's really exciting. And uh, I also have a whole lot of things that I can't tell you yet. <laughs> that are brewing, very, very exciting things that are brewing and we're praying about that haven't been confirmed yet, but some exciting things happening in the background and maybe some of those things will be announced mid-year and, and possibly early 2020, but we're working on some things. And, uh, but one thing that is really exciting is uh, the appointment of uh, two people into a very important role that's going to be starting on February the 10th. So I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, and actually, I might call Jess and Alex to come up on the stage if you can. Let's give Jess and Alex a round of applause as they come up. God showed me a picture of a, of a car and uh, to try and help explain this or articulate it. A car and the church is like the car and in fact, there was, <laughs> this is really interesting. I, I preached on this this morning and uh, taught about this this morning. And a prophetic, a lady that's part of our family that's prophetic, didn't know I was going to be speaking on it. She just felt led to bring in this car. She goes, I got this car. I felt like it was prophetic. I didn't know you were going to be talking on this. And, and so it's a Ferrari. So this church is like a car. And I think God sees us like a Ferrari. I like that. And, uh, and so... If you think about the gearbox and you think about uh, how the car continues in momentum, for those that drive a manual car, you'll know that uh, you've got to bring the car up to a certain rev level before you put the clutch in and before you bring it into a different gear. And so there's a literal structural change uh, to ensure that the gearbox can uh, help the car continue in momentum to the, into the next uh, gear. Or you could describe it as the next level, if you like, so the car can continue to gain speed and momentum. And so God began to speak to me about this, um, this structural change around five months ago, and we've been talking about it, uh, that was necessary so that the motor doesn't blow up because we know we've been revving pretty high in 2018, right? And uh, there's such an amazing grace on this house for the winning of souls, my goodness, and, uh, and uh, like, we didn't really have a holiday, did we? Because I was, I was hearing about, like, so many testimonies over the holiday period. I like it how we can have a holiday, but we never have a holiday from being a Christian. Amen? And so there was, people were getting saved left, right, and center. I was being tagged. The phone was blowing up on a number of occasions where, like, drug dealers are getting saved. And uh, my dad and a whole bunch of people, even yesterday, a big outreach that was taking place in Frankston, and, uh, and I just got report that uh, Pop and a whole bunch of people got back, a whole team got back from Alice Springs working um, together with the new Iris space that's taking place in Alice Springs. 
And Pop said, yeah, like 30 or 40 people every day were getting saved. And I just think that's amazing. So yay, Jesus. So it's evident that there's an evangelistic grace that's uh, present. We don't want to lose that. We want that to continue to grow. Um, But I think we need to be able to keep up with that too in terms of a church, discipleship, community, family. And, uh, And so I believe that we need to have like a, we constantly need to review the structures to be able to help uh, the momentum of the church to continue to go to the next level uh, so that there's health to go with the speed or with the momentum of the church. Does that sound all right? So a simple little analogy, and I think it's just so cool that there was a, a Ferrari, a lady bought in a f- prophetic picture of a Ferrari, not knowing that we're going to talk on that. So bring it on. We're going to go fast. Amen. Why don't you say to the person next to you, you're a Ferrari. Because you know, you're the church, right? You're a Ferrari. And God's called you to go fast. Awesome. And so on that note, um, we've been praying and we've, we've, uh, the, the elders have been talking about and just praying about Alex and Jess. Their name came up on the radar maybe about five months ago. We didn't tell them that. We were praying into it. Uh, Alex and Jess met in Bible college and they both, and they got married in Bible college. Some nickname it Bridal College. Actually, after I mentioned that this morning, I had a few people asking me about Bible college now too. So a few single people. And uh, so, and they, they have felt the call of God in their life, but obviously they just want to do it in God's timing. And, uh, and so it's interesting, they've been with us close to two years now. And when they first came into the church, they've, they've served in leadership in other great churches before they came here. But when they first came in, they, even though there's ministry on their life and they've been leaders in previous churches, their heart was to just serve wherever there was need. And, uh, and I didn't say anything to them. I didn't talk to them about coming across either. They, they both actually had dreams and really heard clearly from God about coming across. And, uh, and so I watched, I watched them and their character. And, and so the first thing Jess said was, where, where can we help? Where can we just serve? And where is there a need? That was their heart. And, uh, and so at that stage, we needed uh, someone in the children's ministry. And so Jess took on that role. And then at that stage, we also needed help in the hospitality area and the cafe and so forth. So Alex took on that role. And, uh, and I'm sure all of you that have been around for a while have just seen uh, the grace and the character that's, that's on their life, which is really powerful. So uh, that being said, uh, we've felt like we need uh, executive pastors to help with that. Now, the definition or the role of an executive pastor may vary depending on what movement you've been a part of and so the language and the terminology or the title uh, in terms of the definition can vary. So I'll, I'll read out some basic job description. So executive pastor will oversee church operations, will oversee pastoral care, uh, will oversee strategic planning, administration, oversee administration, budgets for uh, various departments, human resources to help achieve our mission and our vision. Uh, they'll also coach and develop church staff, department leaders, and team leaders. Uh, really, it's, it's, it's like a leader of leaders. And so Alex has already been kind of learning and growing in that role. In particular, Alex, they both have. But Alex in the corporate world, he's been very successful in the corporate world. Uh, for the last eight years, he's been part of a large corporation overseeing, uh, I think, three peop- uh, leaders in three different states. 
and, uh, and he has said that he felt like that eight-year period was really training for ministry. So he's been learning all of these things that where he's going to take on in the church in the corporate world. So it's been kind of cool that God uses the corporate world and the business realm. And now he said, okay, now it's time to bring you back into ministry. So Alex has taken a big step. It's not a small step. It's not a small thing uh, to leave his job. And he's going to be coming on full time uh, to help serve us as the house and ultimately to serve Jesus. So thank you, Jesus. So they're both going to be doing it together. And uh, so we're going to be... Um, the official start date and the official ordination is not now. It's February the 10th. And so in the, in the meanwhile, we're going to be having lots of leaders meetings and they, they want to bring in all of our leaders and department leaders and we're going to work on strategies for the year. And, and so normally around this time, we would share the vision, but we're going to hold off from that and probably this time next month, we're more going to be sharing the vision, but it's going to be uh, a collective vision uh, from all of our department leaders and we're going to talk about what's going to happen in 2019, but the gear shift is in motion because we are moving to the next level. So does that sound all right? So let's give Jesus some praise and thank, thank you guys. Thanks, Alex and Jess. Another way to look at it, I like, I like footy, I like AFL. It's like coach captain. So uh, I'll still, Chelsea and I will still be overseeing, uh, but these guys are the captains on the ground. And so there's, you know, the coaches from the coaches box, but these guys are going to had their sleeves rolled up and getting amongst it and developing leaders and systems and administration and training and all those beautiful things that are necessary to go to the next level. Does that sound all right? Yeah. Awesome. Praise God. So I'm excited about that. And I, I'm excited about all of the different things that are in the pipeworks as well, but I can't yet reveal it. We just need a little bit more time. And, uh, but there are some very, very, very exciting things that God's got brewing up for our house. But I do feel, and Chelsea also feels that it's a, a year of regrouping. We had such an amazing year with 2018, and so many of you were uh, amazing in your efforts with Awakening Australia. And, uh, and so this year, we're gonna regroup, refocus, a lot of attention on, on what's happening here. And, and of course, uh, our other three campuses too. So there's gonna be a lot that's gonna be taking place. We're gonna bring them in a little more with what's happening. And so there'll be some exciting changes, but they're going to be good changes. So I want to encourage you to open your Bibles now to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. This is a message and a teaching that has been brewing and developing over, my, over the holiday period. It's a message that uh, I think is really important, particularly for this time of year, for our local church. And uh, it's about the church. And so go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. As I was praying, I really sensed that God wanted me to communicate to you that how important the church is to Him. And uh, He esteems the church so highly. Uh, there can be some funny ideas about the church. And uh, sometimes that's our own fault because when I say ours, I don't mean necessarily us directly, but the wider church because, you know, we've messed up a fair bit and done, done some crazy stuff over the centuries that's not right, that's not of God. Uh, but overall, we know the church is not perfect, makes mistakes, but the church is not man's idea, it's God's idea. He's the founder of the church, and, uh, and he is the head of the church. There are many, if you do a study on the church, there are many descriptive words or analogies that help us to try and understand somewhat what the church is, but I can tell you it's not just a building for sure. 
It's made up of people. Yes, we gather in a building, but it's made up of people. And uh, we are, in some passages, described as living stones. We're fitly framed together. We're also just described as being a body where Jesus is the head of the church and all of us are the body. And we're working together. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. So we shouldn't be separate from the church because the church is the body of Jesus. We shouldn't put the church down, despise the church, criticize the church because it's also described as the bride. An analogy being the bride, that's how much it is so very much dear to Jesus, to God, to the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to love the church, amen? I love Awakening Australia. I love the crusade events. I love the mass outreach. I love what took place at the Marvel Stadium. But that's only one aspect of the church. It's an evangelistic arm of the church. But what happens in the local church is so, so important. If we don't have local churches strong, what, take pl- what, uh, what takes place in those mass crusades potentially can fizzle out if we don't have the church strong and in motion and being able to disciple and build strong communities and families and have strong households. The, the Bible also describes the church as being a household and, uh, or a family, if you like. And so we need strong households and strong families to ensure that people continue to not only get saved, but to grow in their faith. Amen? And so uh, Alex and Jess and all of our team, we're going to be really seeking heaven and really seeking God's strategy about how we can continue to grow in that area and, uh, and move to the next level. So Matthew 16, 18. And I, I'm going to read a little bit of Scripture this morning. I, I, I want to get a little bit theological, if you like. Is that okay? Who likes theology? You should like theology because uh, theology is Jesus. The word means the st- uh, to study God. A theologian is a studier of God. So all of us are theologians. When you say to the person next to you, you're a theologian. So we need to really esteem Scripture. We need to love the Word of God. And so I want to bring some Word. And then I want to give you three. I want to tell you God's heart on the matter. And then I want to release three simple keys, which I think will really help you. These are from God, three keys for you. So if you're making notes, I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, We're hopefully recording, so we'll make it available on podcast. For time's sake, I might not be able to go through each Scripture, but I will try and reference where I can so that in your own time, you can go back over it, study it out, and be like the Bereans. Who's heard of the Berean church in the book of Acts? It was noted that they were noble because they took what Paul said back to the Word of God. And it said they studied out the Scriptures on a daily basis. They heard what was being taught from Paul, and uh, they, they esteemed it, but they didn't just take it as an absolute. They went back to the final authority, the Scriptures, the written Word of God, and made sure it was all correct. So I'd encourage us as a family to have that mentality where uh, we really love the Word of God and we, and we make sure that what we're learning, we make sure that what we're doing is in line with Scripture. Matthew 16, 18, on the definition of church, what better place to go and to start than this Scripture? Jesus was speaking to Peter and He says, And I also say to you that you are Peter. Now, Peter's name in the Koinon in Greek or the uh, original language is Petros, which uh, is literally translated small rock or piece of rock. 
So in some ways, this passage is like a, a play on words with Jesus. And if you didn't understand or you didn't have the original language, you might miss that very important aspect to this passage. It's a play on words. He's saying, uh, and I say unto you, Peter, small rock, and he goes on to say, on this rock, referring to himself, and that word rock is similar to Petros, but it's pronounced Petra. And that word Petra is mass rock. So he's referring to himself as the mass rock. He's saying, Peter, small rock, upon this rock, mass rock, he says, I will build my church. Amen? Glory to God. I will build my church. And that's another thing to point out really quickly. It's not Peter's church. He didn't, he's not the, uh, the first pope, as some would have us believe, or he didn't establish the church. He's certainly one of the founding stones along with the other 12 uh, apostles and, and the prophets. But it's ultimately Jesus who the church is built on. And he says it right here. And in fact, it's capital M in my translation in the New King James, which uh, if you're studying the Word of God, whenever you see a capital, often that, that denotes divinity. So Jesus is saying, He's God. Uh, upon Him, He will build His church. So when you say the person next to you, church is not man's idea. It's God's idea. And if that's the case, we need to esteem it. We need to love it. As much as we love the, the Holy Spirit, as much as we love fellowship, the miracles, the breaking of bread, the signs and wonders. We have to love the church because it's God's church. He's the head and He wants us to love it and esteem it, okay? So next time you want to criticize the church, zip it, amen? Don't let the devil speak out of your mouth. So on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The church is strong. When we're together, it's better. We're fitly framed together, the Bible says. We're living stones built upon Jesus, the mass rock. Another passage describes it as the chief cornerstone. And we are all living stones, fitly framed together. The church is a living organism. We try to describe it, but it's difficult in the English language. We're a bride, we're an assembly, a congregation of of saints, people, we're the called out ones. We're called out of darkness. No longer foreigners, no longer dead in our transgressions, no longer enemies of God, but translated through the, after the born again experience, translated out of darkness into light and into family. You say to the person next to you, you've been born into a family. A spiritual family, amen? So the word church is Ecclesia in the original language. And as I mentioned, it's the, the called out ones. But we're called out of darkness and into something. We're called out of something and into something. It also means in the Strong's Concordance, it shows us that it means that we're a, it's a meeting. So we're, it's, the church is a, a, it's a gathering of the saints as well. A congregation, a community of members on earth. So saints on earth and also in heaven. We have local church, local body, local congregations, but we're also connected to the wider body and we're all one in spirit. We might not know one another on the earth now. We might not meet everybody, but we're family and in heaven, we're also a family with those that have gone before us and one day we're all gonna be in heaven together, amen? Who's looking forward to that sweet, precious day? The hope of glory. 
So Ephesians 2.19, as I said, lots of, lots of word, 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 Bible, Bible, Bible. We love it here. Ephesians 2.19, Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we're called out. We're no longer foreigners, no longer strangers to God. We're no longer separated through sin. That's been smashed down. That wall of petition has been smashed down. Now we're in relationship with God and with one another. Amen? The church is really powerful. And here you see in Ephesians 2.19, the church is also described as a household. And when I think of a household, I think of family. In an ideal setting, uh, you live in a house with family. I live with my wife and with my four children. And uh, it's family. Amen? I abide in the house. I hang out in the house, eat there. Uh, We do all sorts of stuff in the house. We have a lot of fun. But I also, I'm in relationship with the people in the house too. I belong, I'm in relationship. It's not just something where I just hang out in my room but never actually have fellowship or relationship with the people in the house. That would be pretty weird. I reckon my wife would maybe start knocking on the door and maybe checking if we need some counseling or something like that. And my kids would probably be not really happy if they never got to see dad, although I'm in the house or a part of the house. And also I contribute and I'm committed to that household as well. I contribute, I help pay the bills. Otherwise, we won't have electricity. Otherwise, we won't have water and all these things that we need in the house, food. And I'm committed to the house. I'm there uh, as much as I can be. I'm not just there when, now my wife is a pretty good cook. It's one of the reasons I married her. (laughs) Just joking. Have Marie started cooking yet? How's she go, is she all right? Do you cook? For everybody, there's just a little conversation we're having here. Mark and Marie just got married, everybody. Josh and Lachelle, how do you go share the kitchen duties? I see some of your Insta stories. That's some good healthy food you got going on there. But it'd be pretty weird, Josh, if um, if you just said, Lachelle, look, I think you're awesome, but I've decided that I'm only gonna like be a part of the household when you cook that, like, you know, the the uh, Brussels sprouts and the, and the uh, mushrooms and the ribeye steak. It has to be ribeye, like the clean cut steak. Oh, they're awkward, they're vegetarians. <laughs> Let's pray for them. No, just <laughs> uh, let me think of, what, what do vegetarians eat? Fish, they eat fish. Glory to God. So, snapper, fresh snapper from the Port Phillip Bay. And you're only going to come home when, uh, when that's presented. That'd be pretty weird, right? Um, but sometimes we can have that mindset in church. I might not be committed to the church. Maybe only when there's a guest minister, I'll come then. But you see, I am the church, and so I don't need to go to church. Hello, it's getting quiet. I am the church. I, I just, I'll just attend when so-and-so preaches or 
when the ribeye steak or the fish, the snapper's being served, that's, that'd be weird. No contribution, no commitment, no relationship. Just rock up when there's a good feed. Okay, now that's called a visitor. And that's cool. We love visitors. But that's not a member of the household of faith. And that's not honoring and respecting God's church. Amen. Why don't you say to the person next to you, love the church? Come on. You guys okay? From my study of the scripture, the early church were people that loved fellowship with God and with one another every day. It wasn't just a weekly thing necessarily. It was an everyday thing. And I think that that's really where it needs to be at in terms of uh, it's, we're not, it's not a religious thing where we gather on a particular day necessarily, but in our heart, it's like every day. I, I want to encourage someone every day. I want to talk about Jesus every day. I want to fellowship. Every time I eat and drink, I want to remember what Jesus did on the cross. I want to have communion with him and with brothers and sisters every day. And I might not be like this every day, but in some way, shape, or form, it might just be a really small thing where you feel led to call a brother or sister in the house and and just encourage them. So really, we see there's something about the daily fellowship that's really important. But we also see something that's really important around the Lord's Day and the weekly gathering, something that is established uh, by the early church and really by Jesus because He is the head of the church. The Lord's Day is not the Sabbath, is not the Saturday. Sometimes there's arguments over which day we should gather. But the Lord's Day is, uh, according to the Jewish calendar, is the Sunday. And so Constantine didn't make that up, as some would have us believe. It actually is the Sunday when they're in the upper room. When God first poured out His Spirit, it was the Lord's Day. It was Sunday. Amen. We've got some... He's with me. <laughs> Glory to God. Uh, did he say amen? Hi, Dan. Hey, little buddy. Love you, champ. Awesome. So there's something about that weekly gathering that we see consistently throughout Scripture. I just want to read a passage and then, oh, sorry, read a paragraph, give you some uh, scriptural points and scriptural notes, markers, if you like, for you, to, for you and your personal study to have a look through this, to get it in your heart, to understand it. And then I want to leave you with three simple key points for you to be able to remember, okay? So something for everybody right now. So we know that the early church were daily Christians. And we can see, I'm just going to give you one reference, but there are many references. This is not necessarily totally exhaustive, but we're going to give you certain scriptures to help. Acts 2.46, for those making notes, we'll show you that. But we also realize that a permanent practice of the church was to meet on the first day of the week to continue such things as teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Not once a month, once every seven days. I've heard it said, you know, I don't want to burn out, so I'll go once a, once a month to church. That's not the way God designed it. Now, not in a legalistic way. If you have holidays or whatever and need time off, it's all good. But we see there's something that's very powerful that was established in the early church about the once a week on the Lord's Day. 
Even John the Revelator in the book of Revelations, even John, he had no one there because he's exiled on his own. Uh, Church history says they couldn't kill him, so they had to send him to the Isle of Patmos. And it said, in the book of Revelations, it said, I, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Even when no one else is around, he still had fellowship. He still had church, if you like, on the Lord's Day on the Isle of Patmos. And that's when he had all that amazing revelation that he wrote for us that we all read today in the book of Revelation. Something very important about the Lord's Day. It's the first day of the week to continue such things as teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. We can see this with the combined inference of Acts chapter 20, verse 12, verse 7 to 12, 1 Corinthians verse, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 onwards, and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26 onwards. For those listening on the podcast, hello. Everyone say hello. And if you're listening on the podcast, you can go back and study this out. We can see that the gathering of the church was on the first day of every week to which all Christians who were part of that church came for such things as teaching, the remembrance of the Lord in communion, for fellowship and prayer. And if you take a deeper dive into the practices of the church in the New Testament, we also find that there was a great variety of spiritual activity in which the saints, which is us, by the way, the saints engaged in the church meeting. We know that there was singing. We see that in Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, prayer. We see that Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Teaching. Discipline. We see that in Matthew chapter 18, verse 17. Discipline is a part of discipleship. There was discipline in the church. It's not just a loose gathering where anything goes. It's correct heavenly authority and leadership, which is really important. Not controlling, but protecting freedom. Amen? These are all things that are found in the early church. The reading of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 14.26. The taking of the weekly collection. It's not our idea. This is something that, had, that was consistent in the New Testament. Acts 2.42. And also we see that in 1 Corinthians 16.1-4 and the exercise of the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. As I said, not exhaustive, but just some of the spiritual activity that would take place on those weekly gatherings. The church is really important to God and we need to value and honour and esteem the Lord's Day. And so God wanted me to relay the importance of the church to you so that you would esteem it, you would value it, you would commit to it, that you would love it because He loves it. He's the author of it. He's the founder and He's the head. Amen? You with me this morning? And now I want to take you to another reason that he wanted me to bring this message. And I'm going to finish with this and give you three really simple but valuable lessons that God wanted me to relay to you this morning. Let's have a look at this first passage. So he loves the church because for many reasons, the church is what helps advance the kingdom of God. We see people saved, people strengthened, and uh, people matured in their faith, discipled, but also He wants you to personally know this, this precious promise. Now we know that the church in the New Testament uh, was described as the household of God. You're a part of the household of God. And so this Old Testament passage in Psalm is absolutely still relevant today, right now in the New Covenant. And this promise is relevant to you right now in the New Covenant. 
Those that be planted, let's read this together, you ready? Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. It's not a maybe, it's an absolute, an absolute promise. Let's read that one more time. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I really felt like God said, look, I want you to teach them about the importance of the church, show them Scripture, the value of it, define what the church is somewhat in the small amount of time that I have, but then bring this. Ultimately, those that are planted in the household of God, in the house of God, the, the place, the spiritual habitation for the Holy Spirit, they will flourish in the courts of our God. That word flourish means to break forth as a bud, to bloom, generally to spread, specifically to fly as with like extending wings. This is from the, the concordance. Strong's concordance, to blossom, to abundantly blossom, abroad, to break forth. He wants this to... He wants this for a house, but He wants this for you in your personal life, that you would flourish, that you would bud, that you would break forth, that you would fly like with wings, grow, spread, and be blessed in every sense of the Word, in every aspect of your life. And being planted in the house is a big part of that. So I'm gonna leave you with three things to finish. What is it to be planted in the house. I wanna bring up the first one, A. A for abide. So as I brought the, the point, that the analogy that I brought out before with my own household, abiding is one thing, like being a part of the house, sleeping there, eating there. It's a good, it's a good thing. To be a part of the household, we need to abide. What you're doing now is partly abiding. We, we're enjoying the worship enjoying the fellowship, and uh, that's certainly a great start. So A, for abide. B, belong. A, abide. B, belong. And belong speaks of relationship. Ultimately with Jesus, and we abide in the vine. Jesus is the vine, and we abide in Him. But we also belong, and the Bible says, we're members of one another. And so we're in relationship, with one another. And so one of the things that Alex and Jess and the team are really keen on this year is continuing to create strong, smaller spaces so that we can continue to develop strong relationships, community, and family together. We can't just do that in a one-off hour meeting, but we, we're intentional about creating space. And of course, organically, we encourage people just to meet and and uh, encourage one another in their daily life as well. So B for belong, what was A? Abide, B, belong. Thanks for the graphic, Kath, that looks really good by the way. And C, commit, and I've given you two for C, commit and contribute. So we're committed to the house. We don't just rock up when we're serving snapper and ribeye. But even when it's cheese on toast, well, we're there because it's our house. We contribute financially. I don't just decide I'm not gonna pay the bills for the next eight months in my home. I'm consistent and faithful, otherwise we won't have a house, amen? 
And so God wants us faithful with our finances. When we give to the house of God, when we tithe, give of our tithes and offerings, our first fruit, we're actually giving to Jesus because He's the head of the church. And by giving to the church and, and helping support the church financially, we're extending the kingdom, yes, but we're also showing our faithfulness and our commitment and our value for the church, which is God's church. Amen? And we're committed on a weekly basis at least we're there Sunday, whether we feel like it or not, we're there because we care, we're committed, we contribute, we belong, we abide, and we want to be planted. And God says, when we have those type of values in our life, your kids will flourish, your marriages will flourish, your life will flourish, your business, because Jesus is King. Amen? I want to ask you to stand to your feet. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.